1: All right. Here we go. Special edition of Knicks Fan TV presented by KnicksFanTV.com. CP the franchise here. And I am joined by one of my favorites, man. One of my heroes from my New York football Giants, man. He won the Super Bowl with the Giants in Super Bowl Forty Two one of the greatest catches no it is the greatest catch in super bowl history put some respect on his name he's also the host of the catch the moment podcast he is the entrepreneur the owner of dt3 enterprises man this man wears many hats and also hosts odds and ends uh, betting show on msg welcome to the show david tyree number 85 david welcome to knicks fan tv man it's been a long time coming thanks again for joining us
2: CP, it's a pleasure to finally, you know, finally build, man. You leading the leading the charge and uh making sure that the Knicks is highly respected, so it's a pleasure to finally connect and build a little bit.
1: Big time, big time, man. And you know, when I do these interviews, what I love most is talking to people about their journeys. I always love to hear about the journeys and how people overcome different obstacles and and rise to success and and their grind after, you know, life after sports. So uh, I appreciate you coming on here. And before we get into, you know, go through your football journey, uh, you were also a good basketball player as I learned. So talk a little bit about those, those days back at Montclair. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Those were the those definitely the early years. I think, you know, you know, Montclair definitely changed my life in regard to sports in general, you know, East Orange in the earliest years, suburb, gritty and Montclair sports was kind of fabricated into the, to the, to the social culture. So middle school just got in football, baseball, basketball. I remember I was kind of being groomed even in sixth grade for AAU team. And I was, not really even aware of it um, and, and, you know, just working out in Jersey city and, and then, you know, summertime came and it was, you know, it was like, yo, do I go back and play football? Which I did. So I felt like that I was probably the best player I ever was in the sixth grade, but still played through my sophomore year in high school, you know, six, six one, I was actually more like, I had the power forward drop step game, <laughs> um, you know what I mean? You know, just, just ice, you know, you know, it, Jump shot, and dribble game was very average. You know, yeah, to say yeah. that much, but but definitely respectable. Dennis Rodman plus type game.
1: Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, uh who who's your NBA team back in those days?
2: Oh, it was always Knicks, man. Okay, I, you know, obviously eighties baby, and um, I I go back to the Kenny Walker, Trent Ch- Trent Tucker, um, Johnny Newman, Jerry Wilkins. That's that's what I knew. That's what I breathed, and and, and, it, and it stuck with me. I've I've been riding, you know. Like I said, I don't get a chance to get to the garden. I'm raising a bunch of kids, yeah. but um, I've been riding hard for the for the Knicks um, since 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 my childhood. I don't have any affections for any other team. I care. I don't care about basketball apart from the Knicks. Yeah. So it's been tough, but we we keep riding,
1: Tried and through, true and true, man. Who was your favorite Nick of
2: all time? Oh my goodness, John Starks. Okay. Just you know, like, and I didn't know the story. It was, you know, it was, you if if you're a true Knicks fan, you 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 understood who Starks was, but it was like he was streaky, but he was gritty. gritty. And I think yeah. that um that I just had so much respect for him, and of course the iconic like you know Patrick Ewing is the easiest it was, for me. It was either Starks or Anthony Mason. I probably had a little bit more endearment toward Anthony Mason. Just um you know it was it was all of that. It's, it's hard not to say Charles Oakley, but I had some <laughs> – has so many favorites. Yeah. But yeah, it was definitely that era of Knicks basketball. Um, hard to choose out out of those three Oak Starks and and um and whatchamacallit, Mason.
1: Yeah, I would say, well, Ewing number one for me, obviously. That yeah. that's how I really got he's into in it. He's in his own. Cate- he's in his own little category. Yeah, he he's a goat. Yeah. He's he's God mode, you know. After everything yeah. that that he did with this team and, and put this team on his back, he's definitely God mode. But Mason, his versatility, his ruggedness, the Ooh. style. He had it all. He was he was hey. New York through and through. And Starks. You know, Starks is my guy too. I got the dunk poster behind me. Um, they they yeah. just just the way they represented the city, man, they were just a, a blue collar group. It, it was so easy to root for and fall in love with the, those early, you know, 90s teams for me.
2: Yeah, you you can't you said it perfectly. Ewan's kind of got status, but there's no one to compare to him. And then the crazy thing about it was when I moved to Montclair, right around the corner was a barbershop called Young's. And you know, it's right around the corner and I I walked through there and through the glass is Patrick Ewan. So you, you know, it was Montclair was one of those dope little towns that would attract all kinds of people. But yeah, you know, I would see Ewan in a barbershop once in the blue, be well protected, of course, but um <laughs> it definitely, you know, definitely set the gaze for my even my sports journey. So it was special being a Knicks fan growing up.
1: Yeah, man, and, and shout out, shout out to those days. And you know, Montclair had some hoopers too, man. We we had uh we, we had Breffin Knight on the show uh, earlier this this uh, this season when we were previewing the the Knicks and Memphis game. Yep. So we were talking to him about it. And you were born in Livingston, and he was born in Livingston. And I, I made the mistake when I opened the show saying that he was from Livingston. He was like, no, 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 I'm from <laughs> East Orange, Montclair area. Get it right. Get yes, it right.
2: Yes. I get that. I have to clear that up as well. You know, like, you know, most of us, we borrowed the hospital over there at St. Barnabas, and um, I'm an East Orange, Montclair kid, commuted into Montclair when I was 10 years old, definitely changed my life, so I say I'm from Montclair. But all my family's in East Orange, Newark, and uh, Irvington. So, it, you know, it's, it's it's a different pedigree. You know, it's similar but different from Jersey to New York, but, yeah, yeah jumping on that Knicks, Knicks, Knicks gravy, gravy train was special.
1: Uh, absolutely, man. And and we'll talk about the latest with, with the team a, a bit later. But uh, yeah. talking about your journey and, and coming up through Jersey, yeah, obviously football was, was your passion and you came up through the ranks there. You end up going to Syracuse. Uh, but according to you, that was one of the, the darkest times of the, of your life. Uh, describe yeah. that a little bit. What what happened there?
2: Yeah, I mean, I was, a, you know, like, you know, my my vices as a young kid growing up in our era, you know, um, single parent home, divorce home. Dad was very supportive and all that. But you know, you just kind of finding your way. So that that comes with, you know, 14, alcohol, 15, marijuana. And you know, it's all play, weekend stuff here, social. You might puke every now and then, and you make light of it as a young kid growing up. And I think it became tied to my identity, of course, with the women and everybody out here doing your thing. And I think you, as you grow, you know, I'm being a grown man now. You, but you arrive on campus, and then you're in Syracuse. And the reality is, it's a private institution. It's a great opportunity, but binge drinking is in in the environment. And I fit the bill. To and, and then it became not just you know socializing. Then it became blackouts. Mm. You know, then it became, and that's that's the interesting thing because as as normal as it is, you know, I wonder how many people are really comfortable with waking up the next day not knowing exactly what happened the night before. And you kind of like just breeze through these things in your youthfulness and in your foolish dispositions. But yeah, I'll be honest. I'm like, now nah, I wasn't always comfortable. I woke up some nights in the morning, you know, some mornings, and I'm butt naked. I don't know what uh, I did tonight, boy. Uh, uh. You know, like I c- it's laughable, but then it's also concerning deep in the, you know, in the in the in the in the, in the depth of your heart. So you know, you kind of just you don't know any better, so you just do doing what you know, and I was fortunate to have sports as a guiding light. Yeah, I had a girl, you know, and I'm, I'm kinda, I was a, I was, a, I was, a well-meaning jerk is the best way I can say, it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think I understand athletes in so many different challenges, vices, and um, obstacles to overcome. Those are my dark days because, you know, I, I was insulated with, with the sport that I love, but I was also insulated with my demons and not knowing how to overcome them. And I, like I said, fortunate I didn't ruin my future with some of those foolish decisions and foolish behaviors. But yeah, it's, it's, it's you know, we're not as honest as as, as most people would like to, to say when you're battling those demons of addiction, etc. So I was a functioning alcoholic, not really knowing it. And I was just right. fortunate that the sport was was louder than my demons.
1: Yeah, and as you said, the sport was louder. You were still able to excel at Syracuse. You, you go through the NFL combine process. and yep. but, but they told you it could be fourth round or it could be nothing. What was that draft day like for you? What do you remember about that when Ernie yeah, and Corsi picked up the phone you know, and gave me a call?
2: I was off the radar going into my senior year. So just the, it was actually the birth of my son that 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 gave me a hope for a chance at the NFL. I never felt like I arrived anywhere at Syracuse because I never had this superstellar season or career. So you know, just to be on the radar, hear that, and it's weird when you hear fourth round and not at all because that's that's actually true. Like it's a real real evaluation process because there's so many intangibles. You know, I I, I run well. I do a lot of things well. Obviously, the special teams was my avenue in, and I knew that. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm at home with the family, just enjoying it, Um, not expecting much, but hopeful. And so when I get the phone call, and it's the New York Giants, that's a dream come true. And it's like you go from just almost nodding off on the couch to hearing hearing, hearing this this hometown team and – Next thing you know, my phone clicks and it's the Detroit Lions. Hey, we got the first pick in the seventh round. I'm like, well, I got the Giants. I got hot broke <laughs> right
0: toward
2: the end of the draft. But it was two days back then, and of course, you know, the team being 20 minutes away, it was it was it was the dream that I didn't even know existed mm. coming to fruition. Being a kid from Montclair, Necess County, having a chance to live it out right in my backyard.
1: It, it kind of comes full circle, but it also seemed like maybe that was a gift and a curse. Because talk a little bit about your rookie year and some of the highs and the lows that came with it.
2: Yeah, you said it perfectly, man. It, it was the gift and the curse. You know, you know, um, I mean, ultimately, we, you know, when we arrive at places, when we arrive at mountaintops, the biggest challenge is having the character that can sustain the limelight, right? And I think most of us, we want our we want our moments in the sun as athletes. And, and I kind of finally had it, but I really didn't have the character and the bandwidth to sustain it. And I had a lot of success on the field. I was the NFL special teams rookie of the year, New Jersey sports Riders, Giants rookie of the year. And um, I delivered the goods. I kind of had a 100-yard had a receiving game off the bench against Philly my rookie year. So, I, you know, they weren't expecting much, and I gave them a little more than they were expecting or as expected with a little extra sauce. But off the field, man, I'm, 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 I'm coming into practice half drunk, you know, smelling like whatever, doing yeah. whatever. And that was me. That was just genuinely me being who I was and the testing the limits. And in off season, man, I was that dude. I was I was going to keep it real. I think Fossil hit me with about ten thousand dollars in fines. Mm. It should have been about forty thousand. But ultimately, I'm like, man, I got the best bud. You know, Dipset is on is is is, is bumping <laughs> up. I got the perp. <laughs> and I'm wild now. I'm like, listen, I got the best. I might as well, you know, sell it. So that was my mentality when, when you know, like when I hear some of these things that athletes go through, I've I've made the worst decisions and I've made, you know, I'm fortunate to live through them and make some of the better decisions. So I understand the life cycle, the, the error in thought. And basically it all came to a head. I get arrested on marijuana possession um after my rookie year, right at Fort Lee. And that was my road to Damascus. That was me coming to the end of myself. And I just knew I needed change, and it started with a, a simple prayer of faith that I didn't know. I honestly I didn't know it was going to change my life, but it did to the better. And I got a chance to redirect my my life, my career, and and and, and reestablish myself as a man, uh, as a man that could sustain success moving forward.
1: So it was, it was basically your, your faith or or uh, rediscovering your faith that that yeah. really helped you turn it around.
2: It was, CP. I didn't have a faith, man. I, I grew up, you know, in a non-religious home and it was it was good. I had great mm-hmm. parents who were supportive. They were well-meaning. They did their best, you know, and often, you know, um, the parental narratives can be really challenging and strong, but I recognized that my parents did their best with what they knew and what they had. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't embittered, but, you know, they didn't have the faith to give me, you know, so <laughs> I was fortunate to have that moment of sincerity. I said, God, all I know is I need you. If you can allow me to keep my job, I'd appreciate that too. And it was almost like a domino. I didn't know who Jesus was. And ultimately I had this crash course. My aunt invited me to church. And next thing you know, I walk out of there. I never drink again, never smoke again. I was married three months later. And I I was kind of laying a track where my life could be reconciled. The relationships could be reconciled in the most healthy way. And, um, you know, it was violent. You know, The change was violent. Mm. And um, there's a lot that you don't know even about the faith, but I was able to just hold fast and navigate it. And and God was faithful that I could be the player, the man, the father, the husband that, you know, when you, when you talk about being in position to influence people, that's, that's basically you want to have some things buttoned up and most, very few young men have, you know, have, you know, you got to walk through the gauntlet and um, God kind of walked me through that furnace and I was tried and tested and I can kind of get my life, moving in the right direction to hold that that platform as an athlete.
1: And when you you know, fast forward to to 2007, which is the Super Bowl year,
2: mm-hmm.
1: before we look at the glory, there was more adversity that 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 you were facing. Talk talk a little bit about the, about that season for you.
2: Yeah, man, it was it was a, it was tough on every end, you know, the season starts, I missed the first two games with with a, a wrist fracture. And, um, you know, and it's tough for a guy like myself, even though at the time I'm the highest paid special teams player in the league, you always feel like, you know, you're at risk of, you know, being on a, on a bubble, um, you know, maybe they can pay a young guy a little cheaper and do the same thing in their mind. So, you know, I wasn't the shoe in, but yeah, I, I ride into it. And, you know, and I'm always looking for the opportunity as a receiver and trying to position myself. My third year, as a third wide receiver, didn't work out. So that was my journey. And, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, I have these aspirations. I work through the injury, come back, do my job on special teams. And, and you know, in the middle of a playoff push in December, I lose my mother. Uh-huh. So, um, you, know, you know, she had cardiovascular disease, heart disease. And I missed two games, you know, because I found out the night before the Washington game. Uh-huh. And I had to go, you know, just kind of lead the family and walk, through, you know, walk with the family through getting her back to Jersey and bringing her back home because she was in Florida. So missed two games, and next thing you know, you know we, we we clinched the playoffs with a win against Buffalo. Coach Coughlin chooses to, uh, you know, go to war against the Patriots that last mm-hmm. that last game in the regular season because Shockey got hurt. We went to more four wide receiver uh, formations and, and and passing downs, mm-hmm. and that kind of was the inroad to to me playing more in the middle of a playoff push. You know, obviously up to. The, the 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 Super Bowl, which you know, yeah, I had a role. And it, you know, a fun little story I shared with CP was the night before the game. My teammate Michael Jennings, his mom, I got we got to know got to know her the previous year, and she was she was a pastor in Florida, and it was Kimberly Daniels, and and uh, she was just a great woman. And she you know she was like, hey, let's pray. It was the night before the game, and she's like, um, hey, you know, she starts praying for the family, praying for blessing. You know, you just want to get covered up get that little blessing, and then it kind of shifted. She says, David, God is quickening your feet. Um, He's giving you hinds feet like the feet of a deer to jump high. Mm -hmm. And then she says, um, you know, the Lord is putting spiritual glue on your hands. And the last thing she said is God's going to give you a big play. Wow. Wow! Wow. So this is the night before Mm the cave, bro. It's like, I'm just trying to get covered up and get a little blessing and get right. Yeah. And she she delivers these words, and I'm I'm a believer, so I just believe. And and I go in and when she says God's gonna give you the big play, you know, I'm thinking the you know, the the most forgotten the most forgotten touchdown in Super Bowl history, mm, bro. Yeah, like, yeah. So that's in the game plan. I hope they dial it up and they do. And the last thing her husband actually got on the phone that says the world will no longer remember you as a special teams player, but as a wide receiver. Mm. Here I am, this unknown dude. These words are coming, coming the night before the Super Bowl. And I just go out there and prayer and believe God. And next thing you know, it's not, it's not the touchdown is, you know, is, is, what, I, what, what eventually becomes the helmet catch. Right. But I like to call it catch 42 and God does, does the miraculous. So amazing year, amazing run just to be a part of it, be a part of the narrative in New York was special for a kid like me coming from, from the mud in Jersey. And, and all of that is happening. But the
1: Friday practice, the last walkthrough, you're dropping <laughs> every pass. You can't make it up. Talk talk a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah,
2: bro, yes. You're straight straight, straight put me out on front street, all, all, all uh, up in smoke. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a story that's well been told. Um, you know, it's so much, like, I don't even give that much thought to it. And there's there's this soundbite between Eli and Peyton where, you know, they had this little huddle up after the, after the Super Bowl, and they like, I told you, he's a gamer. So in my mind, you know, of course, a bad practice is like, you know, drop a pass, drop two passes. I dropped five, six, I don't know how many it was. And it, it was, it was horrible. It's like, it's like the Friday practice is supposed to be the the dress rehearsal, supposed to be clean, crisp. And I'm taking all Plaxico's, you know, reps because, yeah. you know, he didn't practice that year yeah. much at all. But then he I think he re-aggravated something. Right. But in my mind, it really didn't matter because I was taking all those reps anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, it was it was not the performance that you that you're looking for as a professional. But honestly, I throw it out the window. It, it really wasn't a blip on my mental radar because it's practice. I'm on yeah. my A.I. It's just practice. Yeah. you know. Yeah. So, and, um, you know, I got it out of my system. Eli gave me some love after practice. you knew I'd be ready. And we went to work when the lights was on.
1: We're talking to David Tyree, Super Bowl champion with the New York Football Giants, also the host of the Catch the Moment podcast. And David, it, as we talked about the adversity that you had faced in, in that 2007 season and battling those demons in the past, did you ever, to, to, to deal with the pressure and the, 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 the adversity of losing your mom did that ever? Did you ever think to to go back to drinking and go back to some of your demons? Did that ever cross your mind?
2: You know, uh, it's a great question. I don't even know if anyone has ever asked me. The I never did. And the way you know, like when you struggle with substance abuse in any measure, when you struggle with there's so many addiction is addiction. Like you got sexual addiction, drug addiction, um, gambling addiction. It's it's a vice that that typically is masking some pain. And thank God, you know, the way God moved in my life, I was so satisfied. You know, I didn't even have to, like, even overcoming the addiction, it was like, man, I had no desire for it anymore. Whereas I didn't know my previous identity apart from some of those moments. I didn't drink every day, but every social opportunity there was mm-hmm. very much so. Mm-hmm. And usually to the point of, you know, I was trying to go there. You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. I tell people, I, like, I tell people i like my faith like I like my alcohol straight no chasing yeah. you know get get all get all the you know extra stuff away from it so at that moment of calamity my comfort my source my peace was the faith and the people that secured me in that time of adversity and it was great to get back to ball and 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 basically have a work purpose that could fuel that 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 tragedy or that you know that difficulty that obviously we, we experienced that kind of loss as a human.
1: Definitely, definitely shows a lot of strength and leading up to the catch and the win as a kid, I, I'm watching that. And the last drive, obviously with the catch and everything, it was, it was a shocker, but I wasn't surprised that you guys had beat the Patriots because I was at that game week 17
2: um, at
1: home giants versus patriots patriots going for the undefeated season i was right there when moss caught that i think it was over james butler i felt like they ran that that deep route twice he missed it he overthrew him once and then he got him again i was right i was sitting right there in the upper deck like damn but (laughs) i I kid you not i've never been to a giants game where after a loss we were so upbeat there was something about that game where, yeah, we were disappointed that, you know, that, that we didn't crash their history. No doubt. But we just felt good about the team going into the playoffs, especially the adversity leading up to it. You know, Coughlin's job on the line and the win in Buffalo certainly sparked that. But it was just the way that team played that I was like, if we make this run through the playoffs, we can beat this team. No doubt. And then you go, you know, a lot of people, they talk about, oh, this is luck in and this center. And a lot of people don't remember you guys were road warriors on that playoff uh, run. You beat the number 1, the number 2 and the number 3 best teams in the NFC. Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay, yep. Dallas in Dallas after Dallas beat you guys early in that in that season pretty pretty handily and then yep. Green Bay on the literally the frozen tundra. That was a cl- one of the most classic games I had ever seen, man. So certainly wasn't surprising that that you guys were able to get the job done. But after, you know, the confetti's coming down and, and the trophy's being hoisted up, did you ever reflect back on your past and the adversity and losing your mom that same season? Did, did, you, did you ever reflect on all that as, as you're holding the trophy?
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: yeah yeah you know people that's probably one of the biggest questions i've gotten through the years is you know what were your thoughts or your emotions and i said the only thing that only word i could find was awe because i probably experienced every emotion in the span of a you know hour post game um you know my mom was my my sports she was the biggest fan she was we did sports together we did the world series runs together we watched tennis together um my, my dad was my biggest supporter but my mom was you know we was in the house doing she was a sports mom and so um it was everything and ultimately it was that moment of validation where you know like when you kind of this guy that no one believes in and no one you know is ever expecting to do anything at the position it was finally that moment of validation for me um internally and of course I'm hoping to build on it obviously that wasn't in the cards but in that moment, in that isolated moment, I was whole, and so it was—it was excitement, it was joy, it was tears, it was—it was everything. So I was in awe of God, I was in awe of what we just accomplished, and amazed that—that that I would be a part of it. in this
1: Yeah, no, no doubt, an, an incredible accomplishment. And then, so the next season, you—you you had an injury-riddled season, then you missed that entire season. You would yeah. ultimately go on to Baltimore, and then ultimately. Uh, your career had had pretty much come to an end. Uh, how how did you handle that? How how did you handle your career arc, being a star at Syracuse, coming in your rookie year, being an outstanding special teams player, the the yeah. heroics in the Super Bowl. How, how did you handle the the end of your career?
2: Yeah, the, the the decline was tough, you know, and I think it was it was tough because I knew that you know the the journey had had, had gotten to this place, and you're expecting and hoping and believing. And I had faith of all faiths. You know, I had beliefs of all beliefs. I had no reason not to believe that God could kind of, you know, restore restore this. And it's, t- you know, it was like a two year journey where I was dying. You know, like, so internally um, every, I experienced every disappointment where from that moment of my life transforming after my rookie season, everything was on the inc- on the incline and after it. But I remember, you know, after the Super Bowl, I just said, I said some things that I genuinely meant. I said, well, if if my career was to end at this moment, five years in, I've been to a Pro Bowl, all pro, I win a Super Bowl, greatest catch in Super Bowl history, I'm satisfied. Yeah. And ultimately, that's the way it proved to be with that, with that injury. And and ultimately, you know, like I there were things that I couldn't control. So I felt like I'm giving my best, and by the time I had that, you know, that last hurrah with, with Baltimore, you know, I I loved the game, but I just knew I wasn't going to be in the rabbit race of trying to like, you know, work out every day and, and be ready for a call. Three weeks, four weeks, ten weeks down the system. Now I was expecting my fifth child, and I was a different man at that point in my time in my career. So I had a lot of peace with what I accomplished—seven seasons in the league when no one ever expected it. My accomplishments in my eyes whereas I knew what I was a football player. Like that was it. It wasn't about being the best receiver. It was about you the best football player, whatever they ask you, whatever they ask you to do, you can do it. And um, that's why was, it was easy for me to be satisfied. And I compared myself to no one because I conquered the mountains that I needed to conquer. Uh,
1: that's real, man. Because as we see in sports, it's, it's not an easy thing. To 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 accept that I mean I just heard an interview the other day on uh, on uh, um, Keyshawn and and Max's show to still looking to to come back into the league so uh, yeah. <laughs> like just yeah. some some guys it's never it's, enough it's, man. It's,
2: it's, some I don't want to say it like it's bad but it's like you know it's kind of like you know we we make the analogies often with boxers and it's like when is enough enough it's not about whether you can play like what kind of relationship do you have with Glory I don't know mm. what it is. And, um, and, and it's not a knock because it's not that this dude can't perform. This right. dude can still run and perform, but I've always wanted to have a sober relationship with life. Like mm. wish, you know, have everything be tied to purpose and not just to, you know, my own ambition, you know? So, you know, I try to live it trying to live out this truly, you know, meaningful, you know, this life where it's not just about moments, but it's about meaning.
1: That, that That's real, man. And, uh, my guy number ten, Eli Manning, seems to be enjoying life after football. Uh, what, what was what was one of your favorite Eli stories uh, coming up with him uh, on this journey?
2: Golly, all right. So I don't have a lot of Eli stories. I, I will say, you know, what, what you're seeing now is what we've seen through years in the locker room. Is you know, you would suddenly find out that this, you know, this this goofy this goofy dude is is behind so many random pranks in the locker room from the invisible, you know, uh, invisible ink and joker's gloves and cleats. And, um, but that was a subtle ascension, you know, obviously I'm a year ahead of Eli. We actually share the same birthday. So I'm a year ahead of him in draft class, but it's also like this dude was slowly emerging to be that leader. Like it was like Simba, you know, taking the crown and he finally took the crown the year we won that first Super Bowl. So, um, the you know the the stories that I have were definitely true in relation to you know here's this dude he, he always had like the relatability he was so driven toward the work but he's also so awkward like you know <laughs> and now we're seeing that awkward comedy yeah. personality full fledged with the Eli Manning show so it was dope watching my man find his niche post career and you know he's he but he was that dude and, but he had to become it which is why you have to love him.
1: What was uh, one of the key takeaways uh, from Tom Coughlin? What what did you learn?
2: You know what he, I can't express how much I I like you know like adore and, and admire the man that he became, and the man that he was, and the man because he was consistency. The biggest thing for for Tom Coughlin, he wasn't a surprise for me because I had a tough college coach who was very similar at Syracuse, Paul pascoloni and so, you know, even though I had fossil, it was like uh my rookie year was a, a blow it year. I'm out here blowing it, mm. and, and he blew it and we moved on. And Coughlin comes in, it's like this strict stern character. I'm like, oh, you remind me of Coach P. But he was consistent, he was mature, and he and 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 that was the central message. The 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 first year was we had to get it out of our system that this dude is unchanging. But as a coach, As a man who was prepared, as a man who understood men and leadership, he shaped so much that I learned from still, you know, like the five-minute rule is the most told, um, you know, fabric that he he prepared us to be men. And I think that's that there's no no one from our era that didn't get that, that doesn't value it, because although he wasn't warm and endearing, he was consistent in messaging and action. And and that's a leadership trove that everyone can learn from. You know, I think we learn how to be a little bit more intuitive with understanding people, but honestly, just his give and our Super Bowl run is the reason why. When we went out bowling, we went out and we did some things that allowed us to recognize that he's not just a great coach, he's a human. Yeah. And so that was his, his twist and change that Super Bowl run was the, the, the icing on the cake that allowed, you know, that culture to – reap the rewards of a tremendous leader
1: we're talking to super bowl champion david tyree also the host of the catch the moment podcast salute to knicks nation out there hit that thumbs up button for your boys uh david thoughts on this current team obviously you you cover the giants you you cover them on um on uh, msg and those properties as well as the post game show uh an impressive year so far under uh um uh brian dable and uh the new gm joe shane What's your thoughts on this team right now as they make this playoff push? Just coming off of a win over the Washington Commanders.
2: Yeah, I'm amazed at this 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 turnaround, right? I think that Brian Dable they should just close the the voting for Coach of the Year. Yeah, I think Brian Dable is hands down Coach of the Year. I was within the front office through 2020, and I was sadly on board for some of the toxic, um, you hmm. know, leadership that that, we, that the organization had the weather through. It was a tough position to be in in my role because I'm kind of like a cog in the middle of players and front offs. And, um you know, you have to learn how to run stuff up and down the chain. So to see what has happened with Joe Shane and, and Brian Dable and his team, this is a, a case study on culture ch- ch- change and turnaround. And, and it's, this team is built on belief. Honestly, I did not, I, I didn't think that they would be able to to make the playoffs with the injury thing. It wasn't about yeah. the the. It's the injuries that they've endured, which is the exclamation point. Why I believe he should be coach of the year. And I do believe they're going to make this playoffs at this point. This this divisional win against Washington was amazing. This past, um, you know, this, this this past few weeks here. So yeah, I'm I'm amazed at the, at the turnaround. I think they've reaped the rewards of the right leadership shift. And um, I, I just I just put down on Daniel Jones. He's the coach. He, he's the quarterback of the future. I don't think anyone has done more with less in the position.
1: Yeah, I, I agree, especially going back to Dable. It, the, he just seems like he has a team well prepared. He seems like they're they're fighting for him. He has the command and the respect of the locker room. No coach to me has done more with less. When you talk about the injuries and they're bringing guys off the practice field and guys off the street and Landon Collins is coming back and, and guys are just executing as best as they can. Obviously in certain games, you you see the talent deficiency, the Philadelphia game speaks out there and they've had a couple of stumbling losses as of late, but rebounded well in Washington. But he just seems to to really, really have that locker room under command. And these guys really love playing for him. The only thing, only thing I got to knock him on, David, you can't put a Dory Jackson in punt return, man. That was, you sacrifice your best corner. Uh, oh, that was terrible, man. I, I couldn't yeah. believe they did that. It was Jason Seahorn all over again for me. I didn't yeah. like that, man. And and I, I don't know when the Dory Jackson is going to come back, but they need him.
2: Yeah, I, I, I can certainly agree with that. You know, um, I understand, um, I understand on both sides, you know, these are like really, you know, you're, you're trying to get your best players and, and honestly, most players they're competitors. And so, you know, like it, it's, 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 it's a tough call. It, it ended up being the wrong call. Yeah. You know, if, if a Dory Jackson takes one to the house, right. Then, then no one questioned right, <laughs> no one right. the decision. So I, I, I agree with you and, 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 and those are those, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword. You look at fourth down and nine again in that Washington game, live by the sword, die by the sword. And it's, it, it's it, he's made more of those right decisions that have energized this, this organization, these teams, and players love it when you believe in them. They love it when you bet on them and, and give them the opportunity to do something that no one believed that they can then do. And I think that's the fabric that he's built into the culture and he's getting the best out of the players that line up for him.
1: You talk about Daniel Jones, and and you did put a tweet out there uh, earlier this week or last week. You felt like th- this is our guy. Daniel Jones is-, is here for the New York Football Giants. I was shaky on him, especially coming off of last year. I didn't like his pocket presence. His decision-making was questionable. Obviously, the turnovers always killed us. But I've been impressed with him this year, man. How can you not? Uh, the, the ability to get the job done with... I don't even know who he's throwing to out there. I mean, Isaiah Hodgins... <laughs> has come out of nowhere. I still don't, he's, he's done more than Kenny Galladay has done in two years. I can't understand what happened with Kenny Galladay. But but Daniel Jones just seems to be getting it done no matter who's out there. Richie James and Bellinger, the rookie, and all these guys. And cutting down the turnovers, leading the league in that area against what? other guys who are throwing to, to, to pro bowl receivers. He's getting the job done, man. I, I would be on board with the Giants keeping Daniel Jones.
2: Yeah, I think you know. I think this is a, obviously a GM situation, but you know, if if he agrees, this is a two three year deal. Um, you know, he's not talking about like you know highest paid quarterback money, but he's earned the right to command command a better team, right? And I think that's what the Giants are trying to build toward. I don't like the franchise at thirty million. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll see where they're at with Saquon Barkley. They got they got they got to figure out how they're going to tie him up as well. Yeah. So you know, but when you're talking about making all the right Right. More or less all the right decisions um, and working with less. To me, he's very similar to Jalen Hurts um, a a year or two ago. Right. And there there has not been any stability around him. At least now the culture is stable. The coaching is stable. And if they can, you know, solidify the offensive line is coming along. They can solidify those particular areas and get weapons in place. There's no reason not to believe that this can be a dynamic force with him at the quarterback position.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's so interesting that I, I was critical of Gettleman, like like many. But if you look at the guys that are contributing on this team, it's the Gettleman picks. It's yeah. Jones, Saquon, Andrew yep. Thomas. On the defense, it's Leonard Williams Dexter Lawrence, a beast, absolutely beast. Uh, McKinney, before he got hurt. Ojalari is doing things out there. So it's funny, man, that a lot of these Gettleman
2: picks are yeah, starting to show out. I, listen, he, I think he's a fan. You know, I, I had him as a personnel guy, as a player, and um, I was surprised at his his leadership style it, it was it was it was frightening. Um, the the amount of arrogance, but that's that's the only knock that I'll say. Mm. As a talent evaluator, no, that that was that was intact. Mm. I, and I think that's these are subtle dynamics where most people can miss the ball, and uh, most you know ownership Bruce can easily overlook because people have track records in their competencies. So, um, yeah, he, he, he's, he's, he's put some talent in the building. And um, he had some early misses, though, that, yeah. that, that set him back. And I think that was a part of the evaluation as well.
1: Big time. Big time. We're talking to David Tyree, Super Bowl champion, and also the host of the Catch the Moment podcast. So to everybody in the chat, hit that thumbs up button for your boys. Uh, David, on these Knicks, at the time of this recording, these Knicks are riding a seven-game winning streak. Uh, Jalen Brunson, their new point guard acquisition, has been nothing short of outstanding. Julius Randle having a great year. Thibodeau has made some adjustments uh, uh, and, and really making this team a defensive first defense first type of team, a Thibodeau identity certainly being established. What's been your thoughts on the, on the Knicks so far?
2: I think you, you, you probably said it. My biggest thought, you know, my biggest thoughts was I, since I don't watch the entire landscape of the NBA, I didn't know how dynamic Jalen Brunson was. When you talk about, um, finally, you know, like when you talk about, so this is me as a, me as a fan, and now we're starting to see some of the fruit. I, I like to believe with some of these adjustments, as you said, with with Thibodeau on the defensive side. Um, it's it's great to see an energized outfit from the from the Knicks play style. I did like the reinsertion of Quentin Grimes uh, to the to the to the starting lineup, and the talent is there. And and I, and, and that's what we heard from Leon Rose earlier this year. Um, if if you really ask me, just like I said from the from the from the fan and not just the analyst side of it. I would have loved to see us trade the house for uh, Spider, Spider Mitchell, <laughs> and, and that's, you know, but I but I do like the State of the Union in light of the, it seems like a, a belief in style culture in, in relation to Thibodeau being a seasoned coach in the NBA and bearing some fruit. But it's to me, it's it's, it's the Jalen Brunson command of this team and this offense that that now is accentuating the star power of Julius Randle to allow us to be. Um, a, a force and, and be in a position to make a nice playoff run.
1: Yeah, I agree. Right now, sitting in sixth, tied with the Sixers, looking at fifth, so things seem to be looking up for the Knicks right now. We'll see how they fare this week as they play the Sixers on Christmas Day. The Catch the Moment podcast. Uh, tell the fans what they can expect from that podcast and and what made you uh, jump into the podcast Rome?
2: Yeah, man, I, I'm a big guy on just highlighting people across the board. I want people like yourself who. May, may or may not be known, but are doing tremendous things. And I want people who are well accomplished. And at the end of the day, wish your story to your moment of success. I think, you know, everybody wants to be successful, but we first need to understand success is relative and everybody's climbing to a moment where they can be recognized. We want the journey, we want the pain points, we want that moment of transparency. And so I want to create a platform that, that elevates and shares stories of triumph, but also through the lens of the process. So that's what catch the moment is all about. You'll get people that you, you know, athletes, owners, business owners, entrepreneurs, um, you know, media personalities, all alike, and and and, and you're gonna get um, that 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 true sense of transparency. So give them a seat at the table, and um, share these share these journeys that will help people to find those solutions to get to their moment. So appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. And you're also the host of Odds and Ends, a betting show on, on MSG. You have DT3 Enterprises, the Juice Bar in, in Jersey. So as you close out the year and you look into 2023, what are some of your goals from an entrepreneurial standpoint and and in uh, and, and media?
2: Yeah, man, media is leading the way. I really have, you know, just great to let let my voice find its way, especially in the New York, New Jersey community. And then moving forward, you know, uh, we launched the pod just to be a platform and an avenue to elevate others. And then we're, we're moving into the catch camp at, at the Super Bowl. So uh, the catch camp is going to be a, a football camp in, in the morning in the leadership and development and careers in sports in the afternoon. We're going to launch it at in Arizona, um, hopefully in that Phoenix, it's going to be in that Phoenix metro area the weekend before uh, the, the Super Bowl. And we'll be, you know, doing media and radio row. So, and then we're gonna bring it back home to Jersey, of course, so uh, exciting things in 2023 between the podcast and the catch camp. And, um, you know, like, I just can't help but do. It's been a lot, there's a lot to my story that's been told. There's a lot more to be told. And um, just want to continue to live a life as a a lens of inspiration, but ultimately, you know, inspire people to know that they can get great done. Um, You know, so we're excited about it on all platforms. Definitely looking to share more. Um, you know, create an avenue that will, that will continue to lead the way um, and let that light shine so that, you know, so that people continue to have that avenue of inspiration, man.
1: Yeah, well said, man. Absolutely well said. And um, the, the last question I have, it's one that I, I I ask of my first time guests, and that is, uh, how do you want to be remembered? How does David Tyree want to be remembered?
2: Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is, as a man who who represents Christ in the earth, that's the first thing. Then a then a a, a, a good son, amazing husband, and a, and a and a dedicated father. And I think that you know everything I do. I wanted my greatest goal is it that it will re- reflect the light of God, give people hope that um all things are possible. And I think you know the soundbite of my career. it I, I always look at the catch as a as a memorial and a metaphor that all things are possible. And now my life moving forward in these particular areas of my life, that it will continue to demonstrate that, that, that all things are possible. And I know that with God, all things are possible. So that's, 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 that will be my defining legacy is that, you know, with God, all things are possible and, and to be an inspiration and hope to everybody. Let that light love. I always say I got, lo- I got love on tap. So let the love shine and we'll continue to get great done.
1: Well said, man. And um, you know, I, I definitely appreciate you coming on the pod because I wanted to talk about so many different things. Obviously, the Giants and, and the Knicks—two things that that we certainly enjoy—and and the memories that that you brought for us Giants fans in Super Bowl Forty Two was something I'll, I'll never forget. But uh, you know, I was at a Knicks game a couple months back, and one, one of my colleagues that that was with me, we, he was like, you know, let me, let me buy you a drink. So we at the bar and we're, and we're vibing and whatnot, and he shared a story with me that. Uh, that he was on a journey to, to sobriety as well. And so I, I definitely applauded him and appreciated him for, for sharing that with me. And as someone who has been impacted by others who struggled in, in my family, friends with mm-hmm. alcoholism and, and struggle with, with sobriety, I just felt like that was that, that avenue that I really wanted to connect with you on uh, because your story is certainly one that is a road to redemption. And so yeah. I definitely appreciate you for, for coming on and sharing that story, man. Much appreciated.
2: CP, yeah, I appreciate the avenue, man. Like I said, we we all need it. I think I think more people than not, they want to do the right things. They wanna, they wanna excel. And um I, and I know that there's a role for everybody. I know that, you know, when I think about God's heart towards people is that they would excel and do well. You know, like whether someone chooses my faith or not is not my business. It's just about Living it out authentically in a way where they know that there's an avenue of hope. So I appreciate the platform. Appreciate your platform. Keep keep, keep leading the way, and uh, we'll keep we'll keep the the dialogue open.
1: Oh, let's do it, man. Uh, where can people find you? The the best place for people to connect with you. Leave them with your website, your Twitter handle, everything.
2: Oh yeah, man. davidtyree85.com for the website. tyree 85 on the gram, and um and 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 Tyree Nation on 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 Twitter. But uh, hopefully it will, you know, like I'm I'm, I'm active. I'm active, definitely look us up. Catch the moment podcast is something we're really excited about. So please, we're on all platforms, like, share, comment, subscribe and all that good stuff so we can keep the, the good vibes going, build build a, a community where we can celebrate and elevate. That's really what this platform is about, celebrating and elevating and getting great things done. And so yeah, be on the lookout. You know, we, 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 we're gonna attack 2023. soon. us <laughs>
1: celebrate and elevate david tyree much appreciated let's go giants let's go knicks and much much success to you man thanks again
2: for your time thanks again, i'm mark chapman welcome to the
0: planet premier league podcast